welcome to Speak About the Spark, brought to you by createschool.ie. Over the last while, we've been hearing from creatives about what sparks their creativity. My name is Justin, and every fortnight, Peter or myself will be talking to a guest from the field of creative arts, gaining an insight into the process and picking up some useful hints and tips that you and I can use in our own creativity. If you'd like to get in touch with us with suggestions and thoughts, please find us at Create School on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube and Instagram, or email us at infocreateschool.ie. For links to the guests and their work or anything else mentioned in the series, go to createschool.ie forward slash spark. In this week's episode, I talked to Clive Barnes. Clive is a guitar wizard, a songwriter, a session and touring guitarist, and most recently a live booker. Clive sat down with me to talk about how he's always searching for new ways to approach playing the guitar, the various styles of music he plays and writes, and what it's like to be part of an album that was completely recorded on an iPhone. Enjoy. Clive Barnes, welcome. Thanks for having me, Justin. Um, so just tell us a bit about who you are and what you do. Uh, well, I'm originally from Enniscorthy in Wexford. Um, started playing guitar when I was six. Um, never had a proper job, proper in inverted commas. <laughs> um, I've been a musician ever since, so that's kind of basically what I do. Excellent. And um, you play a few different styles of music. Anyway, you write a yeah, few different and, styles. Um, I think the older I've been getting, the more, not eclectic I am, but the more I'm kind of exploring everything and actually doing as much as I can. Yeah. Different styles of music, playing with different people. You know, um, I found for years when I focused on one thing far too much. Um, we were talking before we started this that about hitting brick walls creatively. I found that when I put all my eggs into one basket, I definitely hit brick walls very, very quickly and yeah. uh, kind of you know you lose not that you lose interest in it but you lose kind of you, you get too focused i think on one thing and lose kind of the broader picture yeah. so uh for the last good many years i've been really just anything musically i've been delving into so yeah. well when i met you first you were doing lots of rootsy guitar playing bluesy kind of stuff blues yeah. stuff yeah but now um well, well i i know you've had a couple of kind of more rockier outfits over the years as mm. well um, but uh, Haunted Head is your Haunted Head is the new thing that yeah. uh, I recorded last year and um, it's funny so wh- what basically happened was uh, when we would have met first I would have been doing kind of lap steel acoustic blues type music which I really focused on heavily for for many years probably from 1999 until about 2011 I'd say I really it's not that I let go of it, but I stopped kind of holding on to it so tight, you know. Um, then I, I became friendly with um, a guy called Dara Butler in Kilkenny, who was a Curb Dogs drummer, and he was urging me. He wanted to get back playing in a band, and so he urged me to buy an electric guitar, which I hadn't owned an electric guitar in like 11 or 12 years. And uh, when I bought that guitar, it just felt weird. I put it on, and it was like, God, this isn't an acoustic. It feels really strange. And um, Dara and myself went into a garage one day and started making an unmerciful racket. And through that, Billy Dalton, who was from Curb Dog as well, he joined, and we created a band called Souls, and we toured with Therapy. But that was like wicked heavy stuff. So I went from <laughs> I went from playing this really kind of intricate acoustic blues roots music to playing this like 
absolutely full-on abrasive hard heavy rock music you know and then um you know uh, th- that came to an end when dara moved away and uh i kind of like i've never lost the itch for rock music or noise and uh but I still loved that acoustic stuff and, and uh, Haunted Head a couple of years ago um, I had all these little song ideas and song riffs and it all started sounding like an American rock band called The Replacements kind of yeah, 80s well, trashy rock I do see the nod to that yeah, yeah yeah and I kind of I was in the house one day and I was going I really like these riffs and all and I have great ideas and I feel a good energy about doing it and um I'm just going to record these and I contacted my friend Thomas Donahue and went into the studio I play everything on it except for drums and uh, I really just whacked it out and it was great fun you know what I mean and I didn't even think twice about should I release it or anything you know um, it's, it's just a different angle you know and I still yeah. so that's a new thing that I have now that I'm excited about then I still have everything else as well yeah, you know yeah, yeah no it's it's do you find like working with different musicians and all that you that you learn quite a bit from them? Or? Oh God, yeah. Like I mean, I'm, I'm really, um, I'm really a magpie, and and for example, you know, in order, and you know this, like to be a musician, to be a full time musician, and not have a job again, proper job in inverted mm. commas, you have to be creative about what you're doing. So I do loads of things that are still involved with music. One thing that I get a real kick out of is. Um, I've been in several tribute bands for the last couple of years. I was in a Soundgarden tribute and a police tribute band and different things. And, and you know, even from those situations, and they're pure money spinners, yeah. you know, they're enjoyable gigs and, and you know, it's a popular scene right now. Um, you know, I love the, the bands that I actually do the tribute thing, but I come out of every single one of those things. You delve into those sets and you learn those you know songs inside out and the guitar parts and and you just come out of it and you you don't realize it but through osmosis you've actually learned something new um i've been lucky because soundgarden stuff is incredibly intricate and incredibly difficult we had a 20 song 26 song set and i think two songs were in four four time Mm. Uh, you know which is teaching me stuff so i go back and i i'm playing stuff differently because of that Mm. um and then on the original side of it um you know, obviously, you know, the drummer on the Haunted Head thing, Colin Dowling, he's got like 80, 90,000 subscribers on his YouTube channel. He's an absolute phenomenal drummer. And um, in a rock vein, uh, I don't think I've ever played with anyone as good as him. Uh, just naturally gifted. Um, and I, I'll tell you, like, for example, how, how he approached the whole Haunted Head thing. <laughs> I w- went into the studio, I put a click track down, I had no lyrics, no nothing, but I had the songs mapped out in my head. I played the guitar riffs um, to that click track and he came into the studio, there was no lyrics, there was no nothing, yeah. and he played the most perfect drum tracks wow. ever. It's like, it's like he, you know, he knew exactly yeah, where the songs yeah. were going. He, he's just gifted. So from a guy like that... And you talk to him then and he doesn't really know that he's as good as he yeah, is, right? Yeah. So I like I, I, I see a guy like that and I kinda go, My God, like I mean it must be cool to be like that, but when you don't even know you're like that, like <laughs> uh, you know, it's kind of inspiring to see a guy and just to remember to yourself as well that like 
you know, it it needs to be fun. You need to enjoy yeah, it and just kind of trust yourself say, as yeah. well, you know. And you've got to keep it fun. So doing these different types of things, with, oh, you yeah. know, keep it fresh. Just uh, on just on the styles once once more. Um, did you begin playing the rootsy bluesy stuff, or did you begin with the kind of rockier stuff and then you know? Well, as a kid growing up, I I was fifteen when Smells Like Teen Spirit came out, and you know, Metallica Black Album, and well, I was into Metallica when I was ten, yeah. but. You know, early 90s was a rock time. And, you know, you couldn't get away from it. And it was a great time for music. And um, so, you know, I was in kind of bands all those days that were kind of rock bands. But then in the mid 90s, I started just listening to different stuff. I'd I'd heard some, I'd gone to some gigs and seen some kind of blues and roots acts. And I always kind of loved it. I always loved that style, you know. It's it's different. I, I got into a really unique thing. The whole lap slide thing with me was... Just something to people because it was so different. Nobody else was doing it, you know. But I was terrible. Like I, I wish that I had like fifteen years to learn what I was doing in that yeah. rather than be learning it in front of everybody. Yeah. But uh, you know, because it's really cringy now when I look back. But anyway, I think we're all a bit like that. Yeah, but then I went to just playing normal. I, yeah. um, you know, before I got into the rootsy stuff, I was trying to be a singer songwriter, right. and I was terrible. Mm. I was absolutely terrible because I was coming at it from a completely wrong. Um, angle so as, as far as I'm concerned I was coming at it from a wrong angle I went up to Dublin you know you'd nearly be sleeping rough doing singer summer yeah. nights and all and it was just miserable it was just terrible because everyone was better than me you know what I mean yeah. and I just hadn't found a, an angle that worked for me or that I was interested in do you think that's important for people to find like a, an angle or a sound for what they're doing yeah definitely um, I wouldn't put it I don't uh, as kind of forcefully as like you need an angle yeah you know, because that's very, what I mean by your an angle is that it's just your own thing that's slightly twisted from, it doesn't have to be this major radical thing, you know what yeah. I mean? But just your own twist yeah, on something that, that is um, unique to you, you know. Really? It takes years to find that now. You know, you, it comes with experience as well, doesn't it? Like you know, once you've tried things, uh, yeah. you've learned things, you've seen things. Definitely, I, I yeah. find as well, like even... The older I get, like I used to labor over songs and labor over all sorts of elements of a song. Now it's like, you know, yeah. I could actually kind of throw it out, like not saying it's going to be good, yeah. but I kind of feel less sort of like not even precious about it, but that, that I need to do all that labor yeah. over yeah. because you can kill it. You know what I mean? Totally. You can suck all the, all the life out of something that's kind of your... We were talking um, in another interview there about editing and stuff like that. You can just edit and edit and edit. And oh, that's yeah. just even drafts of lyrics and things. Mm. Um, but those songs that kind of come in through the window in, in 10 minutes mm. or the first draft of them, those even, then they're the ones that you kind of tend to yeah. cling to, you know. Um, you were saying there you didn't have any lyrics going in for the Haunted Head, recording Haunted Head stuff. You had the guitar parts and stuff mapped out. Are lyrics something that you do later on? Is is it more music focused first of all, or? Yeah, I yeah. used to kind of mix it up a bit years ago to try and see which one worked better. But to be honest with you, like first and foremost, I'm a, now I do put a lot of time into lyrics. Yeah. But first and foremost, I'm a guitarist, so okay. yeah. that's where I'm coming from. And I mean, with that haunted head thing, I went in and recorded like it's a four track EP, and I recorded those click tracks with the riffs but i had those songs completely mapped out in my head i knew exactly what they were going to sound like and uh, i built it from there and 
does the musical does songs you have mapped out evoke kind of what you're going to write the lyrics about or no do you know what i completely i did this one completely different and it was a sort of a way that i hadn't worked before i was very much into recording for years live like i i recorded that last kind of roots album that i did like it doesn't sound it really which is a testament to the other people i have playing on the the thing dave hingerty who was in the frames and with josh ritter he's drumming on that album and uh, william mclean who's a great bass player double bass player and they basically shook hands one morning and uh, the next day we had a full album and yeah. the whole thing was sang and played live in wow. the studio uh, which isn't done a lot but i thought like yeah. the pure i thought a purest element right so i took that down the absolute rabbit hole and with this sort of thing and what i've been recording in the last couple of years um i thought the building of it was more fun but you know that's as you said there a minute ago you can go down a rabbit hole editing all that stuff i hear like you know i've got a friend and i swear he lives in the studio and Mm. he takes these great songs and just absolutely strangles them to death you know what i mean but you know you can spend too long just kind of you know picking over every single element of of a song so what i did with the haunted head thing was i spent two days i set up all like every amp known to man everything like that and for two i think 12 or 14 hour days i basically just gave myself no more than two takes and all my ideas were one after another after another when i said i had those songs mapped out i had the kind of structure of them mapped out i didn't map out kind of any guitar layering or what i was going to do so it sounds kind of spontaneous i think because i hadn't kind of written parts for it i was making them up on the spot I would do no more than two takes on each part and then move on to the next thing. Right. And I, I think that worked. Kind you of did it. So in a way, you were with the two take thing, you're kind of limiting yourself Oh yeah. for a better outcome, yeah, yeah. obviously. Do you think limits are good in creativity? Uh, totally. Yeah. 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 Uh, <laughs> I, some people were probably going, oh, there's no limits and yeah. all this. But they, 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 I suppose there is. Like, But that limits are, are a good thing. Like, oh, yeah, yeah. I, I, this guy I toured with... Um, so I do a lot of session guitar work and because of, I suppose, my, my rootsy um, thing, I get a lot of um, tours where I play with um, a lot of American, Americana acts who, who come to Europe. So like this guy I used to go and see, I, I loved him in the late 90s and into the 2000s, Jim White, who was um, an American musician. He had a great movie called Searching for the Wrong Eyed Jesus. A documentary about the gothic american south so i i was on tour with him and, and he was telling me like he got his hand caught in a bandsaw one time and it completely ripped up his fretting hand you know and he he just found a style of guitar playing which is completely unique and the minute you hear him play and sing because of his limitations that he can't do anything yeah. other than what he can do with that hand it's him you yeah. know what i mean yeah. now i'm not saying go and shove your hand in a band so but, <laughs> yeah. but like even look at django reinhardt like yeah. that's the most obvious example like caravan fire you know he can only use two fingers on his fretting hand yeah. and he ends up with this incredibly unique style you know yeah. but yeah limitations are not bad you know yeah. it seems to be a running a running theme with the people i've been talking to is that you know 34 64 tracks are fine you know <laughs> the song can kind of come in on two tracks is the way to do it you know but um 
that's cool so just on last thing on the haunted head thing then when you had the guitar parts and all written in terms of for just for any guitar players uh, listening you know getting tones and things like that now i know you've got a lot of guitars you've yeah you know and you've got a lot of amps mm. i remember that when i was in your house there was a lot of yeah amps. yeah there's more uh, now yeah <laughs> um is that stuff i mean obviously that's part of your arrangement your production and all that is that something that you maybe kind of once you've got everything written you look at then or do you find a nice guitar tone and then maybe write something with the, with that guitar tone i think probably what i'm asking is does the tone that you're using at the time affect the song or the piece that you're writing maybe well the song would affect the tone of right. the guitar okay. do you know what yeah. i mean so for the haunted head stuff it's I knew that I wanted something that sounded a little drier with not much overdrive mm. and that was loud and kind of rocky. Because a lot of, like when you hear, if you hear like albums that sound like they have a heavy guitar on it, usually yeah. the guitar is actually not that overdriven. Yeah. It's got a lot of mid-range and it's got very little overdrive actually. Amps that are driven hard with good mid-range and just a tiny amount of breakup when they're recorded sound a lot bigger because they're not compressing okay. overdrive is compression so it's pushing it yeah. it's making it smaller actually you know so for the haunted head stuff i knew i knew what i wanted it, t- it took a while i remember thomas who engineered the album we started about 9 a.m the first morning i had everything set up i mean i had i had like five mess of boogies there's a picture on the haunted head facebook page it's actually hilarious it's the biggest maze of cables and guitars and amps and i had like all these aby splitter boxes so i could like play two amps at the same time and and do all that kind of thing and so we spent on from 9 a.m in the morning till about 3 a.m and we'd recorded some of the the tracks and uh we went for lunch and i was thinking the whole way through lunch and he was delighted. He was thinking, okay, well, this is this is going okay. And we got back into the studio after lunch and I said, scrap everything. Yeah. And I knew by going through the process of trying to get something and not getting close to it that I needed to take a different route. I knew where to go with it. And then I found the guitar tone and then the, the whole thing took off. Brilliant. That's really good. Um, yeah, that's interesting because, uh, you know, sometimes when, I, when I'm pl- playing my guitar with different effects pedals and stuff like that, mm. it affects the way that I play almost, you know? Well, effects are great for that. Delays or anything. Like yeah. I use a lot of delays and reverbs and stuff like that. Um, it affects the way I'm actually playing the guitar, you mm. know? So lately I've started to strip the effects out of it and write the piece dry yeah. almost, yeah. you know? And then start adding then and seeing what works that way it's a different way for me to be doing it anyway. yeah effects are great though yeah yeah because yeah. Yeah, like a lot of people look at them and go oh you're whatever but you know they really are especially yeah. as being creative like yeah totally yeah um so i just wanted to ask you then on technology um first of all in terms of recording and, and stuff like that, are you a tech savvy uh, person i am not at all and i'll tell you okay. why right i bought it like this <laughs> This will age me, but I remember I bought a Tascam. What were they called? The 424s or something? Yeah, yeah, I have one of those. The tape machine ones. And um, I bought that probably in the 90s sometime. And I remember, like, having fun with it and all, but I remember just really kind of losing the inspiration by having to go to the manual and having to, like, the the physical thing of even turning on and off a record button actually kind of broke the whole thing for me. Okay. And then for years, I tried to kind of get into it, but the same thing kept happening. Like, I'm really sort of, when I'm recording, I just want somebody else to be doing yeah, the, the yeah. stuff for me. 
I know where because I'm really kind of set on where I want to go with stuff, you know, and, and I enjoy it and it's always fun, like, yeah. um, and I don't find it fun having to like go through Pro Tools or something yeah, like that. Yeah. Um, but like as a spectator, say sitting beside an engineer who's going through Pro Tools, I actually kind of have seen the, the the system so much that you know what I mean. I I know, I know what it is and I know what to to ask for and. Yeah. and you know, um, but yeah, I'm not tech savvy that way. Yeah, and what about um, in your writing then? If you like, is there? We kind of talk to a lot of students about even the technology they have in their pocket at the mm. moment. You know, um, or, or or tablets or whatever, comes with some form of uh, word typing processing app, or it comes with a, a voice recorder app, or it comes with even an, an audio recording um, and MIDI recording uh, software. You know. So do you use anything like that just to record ideas? Or? Um, yeah, I would. Um, not as much as other people I know. Yeah. Um, I seem to have a big memory. Yeah. So I really do remember a lot Like um, when it comes to music. An interesting thing, there's a friend of mine who is, you know, he, he's actually a, a phenomenal um, songwriter, American musician called Hamelon Trial. Mm-hmm. Um, he became quite big during the the mid and early 2000s uh, again I was a huge fan I used to go and see him play live and I end up now he's on the Haunted Head EP doing a kind of a spoken word thing um, he came to me a couple of years ago and we toured together a lot so when he comes over to Europe and he said that he had this idea he's signed to New West Records over in in the US and he went to the label and he said I want to record my next album on my iPhone and the whole album is going to be done on the iPhone in different locations around the world, right? Wow. So they completely said, no way, <laughs> absolutely not. But he still said, I'm going to do it, right? So he asked me to be on one track. So it, he was coming over here for a tour, and I've never seen anything like this in my life. This was so inspiring, and actually, the guy's an absolute inspiration. Hamelon Troy, go and look him up, right? He's like a punk warrior with one acoustic guitar. It's like Bill Hicks comedy with just great, you know, edgy kind of political stuff. And so anyway, he was flying to Ireland and he's playing, you know, those planes that land in, in Iceland first yeah, and then yeah. like they're cheaper. Mm. So he flew in, he went into the toilet on the layover and recorded a song for the album. Then he flew over and then we did a song together in my house. One take. He put the, the he put the phone on my uh, living room table and he said, okay, here's the song, right? And started playing it. And I played thinking that he's given me the run through yeah. now and then we'll press play or record and, and that'll be it. And he went, no, perfect. So he brought it out and a crowd called the Butcher Brothers, who had done a lot of uh, big production work, they put it out on their label. Uh, U-West allowed them to put it out. And uh, yeah, I I heard back the track and it's actually amazing because I can hear me playing, not even worried about whether the red light is on or anything like that. And then like the song before that is him in the toilet in, in, uh, you know, Reykjavik airport and... (laughs) And do you know what I mean? But it, that's a great idea, though. Oh, it's amazing, and as well as capturing completely different things. And, oh yeah, and it sounds good. Yeah, yeah. Like it doesn't. Like the Butcher Brothers put it through uh, some yeah. huge kind of you know, cool uh, com- compressors and all that. Yeah. Like, but you know, the, it's essentially it still sounds like it's yeah. recorded on the phone, but yeah. it sounds cool. Like that's cool. That's really good. And the name of that again? That's yeah. Hamelon Trial. He's uh, oh god, 
What's the name of the album? I got it on vinyl. Yeah. It's on blood splatter red vinyl. Yeah, I can't think of the name of yeah. the thing, but if you look, Hamel on trial, H A M E L L on trial. Definitely check that. That's great. So, just in the terms of just writing down, do you have a time of day or any sort of schedule around how you do? No, not really. Because I suppose if I. I haven't had to write for anything. Oh, I did actually, interestingly. Um, I um, I got called by or uh, some producers in RT there at the end of last year and the drama on one which is on Sunday nights um, they had this play called Goodnight Irene that they had put together and they needed music for it and I got the call to do it and it was a day long recording but it was the first situation that I actually in a long time that I actually had to write for mm. Um. And that was kind of cool and different, really? but I still took it from the approach of like, you know, I'm I'm there was specific little themes that I put into it, yeah. but I didn't, um, I kept it pretty loose, you know. Okay. I knew what I was going to do, but as far as coming up with stuff, I really, I, if I'm at home, a guitar is always around yeah, and in my lap, yeah. and I just grab a little thing and that's it. You yeah, know what I mean? Yeah. And do you like? Once you have something sparked like that, something little idea, do you labour on it then, or do you just just let it develop naturally over time? Yeah, I don't labour on it. No, okay. I keep cool. playing it, and then if something else pops up, yeah. it does. You know, um, I used to though. Like you were the yeah. same. Like yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, I, I've definitely learned over the you know to let it go time on. that yeah, you've got to let it, you've got to know when to walk away from it, yeah. and you've also got to kind of know that one thing I've I've learned lately is about finishing things yeah so, you know even even if halfway through you think yeah you know what I'm never going to play this out live yeah I have to finish it now that's actually know? a really cool thing yeah. to do because I didn't do that for years yeah. so I would just have to straggle the things but I think what was happening to me at that stage is that I was like I said to you at the start I was focusing way too much on one thing yeah and I mean that works well for loads of other people I mean if you want to focus on one thing not a lot of people uh, no one's the same so you know, I mean my thing is different than I just found that the more things that I do the happier I am yeah that's that's a great bit of advice um, and also you'll be learning constantly that way that's it, it so, yeah you know. um, okay cool and um, just I just something popped into my head there all the musicians that you've played with and that you've recorded with especially people that have played on your stuff yeah um, how does that come about like how do you how do you get somebody on on your album like that do you know these people personally or do you know? uh, yeah i suppose um yeah it's just it's like to turn into friends the weird thing is because i angled for the session guitarist type thing um years ago it i kind of fell into it really um you get to know people that you were fans of but you get to know them because you're touring with them as normal people like yeah, and, yeah. and then they seem to you know i've been lucky like i've gotten on with everybody i've ever toured with so like hamill for example jim white you know any of these people um it's really just a yeah. a phone call you know and they offer a lot you know what i yeah, mean yeah. everyone's the same you know nobody's nobody's really killing it in music yeah, yeah. like there's the, the 1% right at the very very top mm. and then after that you know yeah. um, there's not a lot of illusions out there yeah, that, that yeah. people are doing like amazing stuff and when you find that you make friends with people and you find a lot of common ground and 
you know, it's not a big deal recording on somebody else's music. Yeah, I mean, but I, well, one thing I've always thought about, about you, like, is that you're, you are a working musician, you know, that, mm. you, like you said, you've no kind of ordinary uh, no. day job. And that's that's a great thing to aim, even aim at, um, let alone actually go and do it, you know. Like, is it possible to do that? Then? Oh, is absolutely, it? but yeah. you have to be clever, um, yeah. especially nowadays. Like my... Uh, Luan Pearl, my girlfriend Luan, is a phenomenal singer-songwriter as well, and we talk about it a lot, and sh- we're exactly the same. The yeah. two of us have been lifers yeah. for music, and um, you know she's she's doing just finished recording a new album, and she's doing a lot of really interesting things that are musical as well, but not necessarily her singing mm. into a microphone, but kind of lasting things, you know what I mean? Yeah. That that means something and. It's finding the angle. Like I mean, I'm doing things like booking a venue. I mean, yeah. are you enjoying this? Or at times I do. Yeah. But other times it's strange because I realize straight away that the general public are when they have their Saturday night out or whatever, they don't necessarily want to sit down and watch a piece of art. Yeah. Okay. And then when you're Booking a venue that has a 350 capacity, you can't have a string of gigs that have 20 and 30 people yeah, in it. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Um, so it's, it is actually really, really enjoyable. I, I, can't, I can't say it's something that I ever wanted to do, but it is enjoyable, you know. But you have to be careful. You have to think about it differently. But I try to come at it uh, in a very artist-friendly way. So when people arrive in the venue, they're fed, dressing rooms are kitted out to the last everything is geared towards the act no matter who yeah. they are do you know that yourself from being yeah. an artist that those are the places you remember exactly. almost when you're looked after a little yeah. bit and you want to go back there again yeah. you know? well i think that if the if the act and the artist is treated well that translates into a really good show yeah of course yeah. and um it's proven it's been proven to have uh, been that way you know ever ever since the first show in that venue was in october um I mean, we treat every band, no matter how big or how small, the exact same way. Excellent. How many tickets they've sold, it doesn't matter. Um, so it's it's a different world, but it's funny being on the other side of the fence. Yeah, yeah, you see, you obviously see it from yeah. another another angle. Yeah. Okay, cool. Um, two last things. Uh, one thing is when you're when you're come try when you're writing and playing playing the guitar and maybe something comes along an idea. Um, is there ever periods where you just get nothing? Uh, there used to be yeah again i'll yeah. go back to like that time for me now this is all a personal thing for me because i think focus is an excellent thing and and you need to focus but yeah. i just found that because my curiosity about music and guitar is actually overwhelming for me mm. i just never want to not keep looking for new ways of playing and new things to do i found that because i was focusing completely solely on one thing I actually hit brick walls. Okay, so you you're saying then that you you gotta look in like different places. You gotta keep it fresh for yourself. Almost. Yeah, that was yeah. that was my thing, and like even by me going recording haunted head or doing a souls thing or doing um you know going off on tour with like some of the different acts that I have to learn yeah. all of their repertoire and like um that's so inspiring when you go back to do your yeah. own thing yeah. Yeah. because you're not the player you were before you did that. Funny. I got a call there a couple of weeks ago, again, going back to the tribute thing, right? Yeah. Um, 
this friend of mine who actually plays in Sharon Shannon's band and something happens and he's in a Creedence Clearwater Revival tribute right. band, right? And he's double booked. So the Creedence tribute band are playing a show on the same night as something happens are playing a show. So he can't do both, obviously. Mm. So he asked me would I stand in for that one show. So I don't know how to play any of the Creedence stuff. So I've got like 22 songs to learn. Um, and I'm sitting at home like... Just basically, I wasn't even, not that I wasn't a huge fan, I knew their music, who doesn't? But um, I didn't know how to play it. And I'm so meticulous, like I go deep down, like I have to get way down into the stuff. So I was in the car the other day and, and the one turned around to me and she goes, you know all this work you're putting into that one gig? I goes, yeah. She goes, what if it, what if the gig cancels? And I, I said to her without even a harpy, I says, well, then I would have just learned a whole load of really cool songs. Yeah. And she was like, Jesus, I, I never... I'd never taught you would think of it like that. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. You know, she was expecting me to say I'd be good at it yeah, because, but yeah. like, my thing is like, no, nah, these are just cool songs. Yeah, like, and yeah. you know, not that I'll ever use them, but there's little even things that I've learned already. You yeah. know what I mean? So, excellent. Um, so the Haunted Head EP. Yeah. When's when's that happening? Well, it's July nineteenth. The first single came out there on the twenty first of. The single is called Forty Five, and a few people thought it was some. Uh, Donald Trump um, is the 45th president yeah. of and no way is it like yeah. Haunted Head is really trashy good time rock and yeah. roll it's the happiest thing I've ever done mm. it's like it's just really kind of party rock and yeah. roll like. yeah, I don't know if, I, if I'm thinking of, right maybe I dreamed this but you, you were at one stage looking for the loan of a speaker were you for the video that's right I did yeah because I love the video to it it's very simple um, but there's a couple of things that happened. Actually, I was going to ask you, did they happen planned or did yeah. that cat turn up? So what that <laughs> video is, right, yeah. because um, the specter of the replacements, the band yeah. loomed over the whole project. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to make an. Well, OK, well, I had this. I met this guy and we were going to uh, make this video for the first Haunted Head single. It was so elaborate. We were going to basically try to decapitate as many people in a video as we could right so it was this comedy video of just complete beheadings right Uh, and obviously for budgetary reasons (laughs) to do it right was impossible so uh and there was no volunteers no there was no no so then we um that video is kind of an homage to a video um called bastards of young by so basically the replacements they took like a I don't know, 60 or 20 or $2 million budget for some video, mm. uh, blew it all and whatever. And then probably for a hundred dollars made Shit. a video of a speaker playing the song. Yeah. Right. So I kind of said, well, let's just do a kind of a, a homage to that. Yeah, and yeah. then I got that speaker. I uh, took a long, the, getting the speaker was the hardest part. Cause yeah. you know, that's a big old speaker, you know, it's I mean? a really nice looking yeah, speaker. It's so yeah. cool. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah. So I had a girl, um, kind of in inverted commas act in it and basically it was 11 o'clock in the day we started filming and she just smoked a load of cigarettes drank a load of beer and there was a cat in the video yeah, yeah, that's the cat when the cat showed up it was like you know the, that, yeah that was it's a really great video and it's yeah. one kind of take it's like the, the camera yeah. doesn't do anything only pan back yeah uh, so it's basically what's happening around the video yeah. And then there was a little nod at the end of it to the replacements video, uh, the original one from the 80s. The guy runs over and kind of kicks the speaker over and trashes it, you know. So I said, well, I can't do that. So I got her to take the vinyl off the player, throw the vinyl away and then take up a mobile phone 
and play the next song on the EP. And you can hear like the quality difference, yeah. you know what I mean? The phone sound <laughs> yeah. compared to the... So that was just a little sort of a, yeah, a thing. That's great. It was a really great video. Um, by the time this goes out, mm. um, your EP is already going to be released probably. Yeah. Um, but would it be all right if we played uh, one of, of the songs yeah, yeah, from it at yeah. the end of this? Um, oh, absolutely. Yeah, and uh, I wish you all the best with it all. Oh, and, that's uh, great. Deadly, thank and you thanks a million for your time thought, today. Fun. Really appreciate it. Cheers, man. Great, thanks. Clive Barnes there. Um, I know Clive a long time since I was a teenager. Um, we used to gig around Wexford in the same circuit. Um, and yeah, I always like running into Clive because he's always up to something new, um, something musical. He's always heading off to play a tour or working on a recording. And uh, I enjoy some of the stories that he has to go with those projects. Um, so check out his new, uh, his new band, Haunted Head. Their single is called Forty Five, and check out the video for it too. I really enjoyed it. At Create School, we deliver creative art workshops, and our songwriting workshop has been encouraging people to write their own songs and express themselves for almost twenty years. If you'd like to get in touch with us with suggestions and thoughts, please find us Create School on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. I'll leave you now with 45 by Haunted Head. Um, thanks to Clive Barnes for his time and thanks to you for listening. Catch you next time. Squid at the morning sun the heat that's rising from my back. Step out on the curb, I'm shaking off the night before. Day. We feel like I don't think you're Can you tell me why?
for my request for the beast to beat inside my chest. Listen for the sound. 